And I'm thankful that my dad is here to speak today. Um, the Lord brought them through some crazy health crisis that started more than 10 years ago, really. Uh, they've had accidents that led them into hospitals and they've had issues with their health. But the Lord's brought them to the place where uh, he still has a burden to speak God's word and to share his, his light and truth. He's been a pastor for 20 plus years and an evangelist, always with an evangelist heart. They've done short-term uh, missions work in places like India and also Mexico and places like that. And so would you please warmly welcome the best man I know, George Vambera. Let's go. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you very much. And my lovely mom, Sarah. Let's give her a round of applause. Amen. We've been through some hard times. Um, two, two years ago, I believe this uh, September, um, I had an op- operation. It wasn't the kind of operation we had agreed on. And uh, the doctor took liberty to do a few things and add a few things in me that uh, didn't fit and I didn't need. And uh, But he was going on a vacation, so it must have been a little rush. And so he left on vacation, and eight hours later I was back in the hospital, and his associate... I told my wife, uh, if he don't remove what the other doctor put in me, I, w- I will die. And so he had to operate on me. I went septic. Uh, I was in the tent and stuff for nine days. And then then the doctor told my wife, go ahead and call the family in because he's not going to make it. And uh, so God has been good. And I thank you for your prayers. I know that uh, this church was praying, churches up in New Jersey was praying, and churches in Florida were praying, and, uh, but I give God all the glory, but I give you the thanks, amen, for God, God called me, and he's not done with me yet, for some reason. I think it's a little siding of my wife, too, giving her a little more pain or suffering or something. <laughs> but anyway, I have a message uh, for this church. A message the Lord's been dealing with me about. I was a little surprised uh, about the. I was was wanting to preach on dig another well, because in the Old Testament they had some trouble. Uh, they had dug some wells. Some other people took over their wells, so they had to keep moving and moving and moving and moving until they finally dug a well that nobody really wanted or was fighting for, so that they could settle down and build a community around that well. And then uh, Abraham and his, his children, his offspring, they, they started altar building. And Abraham, I, I, have, I still haven't counted how many altars he built. But every time he had an encounter with God, he built an altar. And even God told him to go build an altar to put his, his son on. And then his, his son built altars. And so, you know, I was thinking, build another altar. In fact, I was going to bring my altar, but it would not fit in her van and couldn't get here. And so, because I, I think that's a very important part of, of, of ministry, is having a place to connect with God. Not just devotions and, 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 and prayer, but, but, a, but a, a, a definite place that you go to 
really intensely have a, a meeting with God. And an altar is a great place to do that. You can I've built them out in the woods with rocks and wood. Um, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. You can buy them with with paddings and everything. And that's nice too. Um, it was really sad scripture in the in the Old Testament where uh, Cain killed Abel. And the Bible says, even in the New Testament, it speaks about this that he sought for a place for an altar he sought for a place of repentance with tears but he never found one his dad had never built an altar his mom never built an altar there wasn't a family altar he he actually had no church no synagogue there was no there was no place for him to go that he felt he could repent and uh, that's a pretty sad, sad part of the Bible. And I thank God that Jesus died on an altar, an altar of sacrifice on a tree for us. He, he sacrificed himself. And on the altars is where you sacrifice. Usually sacrificing self is one of the biggest things to sacrifice, except maybe your kid. But sacrifice is what God is into. And to the point that he loves us so much that he sacrificed his one and only son. And uh, repentance is really a good place to uh, start out when you're going to an altar or a good reason to have an altar or a place, maybe a church you use. Maybe you have a shed. Maybe you go out in the woods. It doesn't matter. But I, I really highly believe we should follow our elders in the Lord in the Scripture and, and make sure that there's a designated place that, you know what, I can pray in bed, I can do this, I can do that. But I have a private place. I have a special place that's just me and God. And I like to go to that place, especially in times of urgency and in desperate need. So this morning I am preaching on repentance instead of the other two. But uh, it's a very positive message. Um, it's the first words that Jesus ever spoke as a minister, as a missionary. Uh, he talked to, to John the Baptist and he went to get his water baptism and John didn't want to baptize him. And he said, listen, we've got to do this. The scripture says it. it's proper. We want to show people what they're supposed to do. And so he didn't need water baptism, but he did it for us as an illustration. And, and then the, the dove came, the Holy Spirit, and the clouds opened, and God the Father spoke. And, and that, that was all good and well. But he did that because the entire country of Israel was coming to John and they were repenting. They were confessing their sins and being baptized. So repentance has to do with us acknowledging who we really are and the mistakes we've really made and that we're just human. We, we make mistakes. But we need things to be right with God. We can't hide them. We can't bury them unless they get out. And I believe that repentance is one of the greatest keys to health, to blessings, to security, 
to personal peace, to emotional healing. Repentance is extremely, extremely powerful key. In Psalm chapter 7, verses 12 and 13, it says, If a person does not repent, God will sharpen his sword. He will bend and string his bow. He will prepare his deadly weapons and shoot his flaming arrows. They're going towards people who don't repent. And these are towards his people. Another writer said, only true repentance will bring true salvation. We have a lot of people today who are receiving Christ as their savior. But they're not repenting of their sins. They're not putting that together. And without repentance, you don't have a clear salvation unless you know why you're receiving Christ. Because he's taking away your sin. You're asking him, you're confessing, I am a sinner and I need a savior. He can be my savior, but he has to be Lord too. He cannot, he won't, he's very jealous. He's very, he's very special in this area. He created us to, for us to know him as master and Lord. Only true confession will bring true deliverance. There, there are cases among cases among cases that you can read and just talk to other Christians where it wasn't till they obeyed the word of God or repented of uh, something that they had going on in their life or spoke it out that they were ever delivered of it. You can be saved, filled with the Holy Spirit and still be captivated by a sin as long as it's a secret sin. As long as you don't speak it out to God, as long as you don't confess it, as long as you don't, you don't have to share it with everybody, but you definitely want to share it with God. You want to speak it out because once it comes out of you, the enemy has nothing to hold on to. Once it comes out of you, the chains are broken. So we need to make a habit of doing this. This is not something for first-time believers. How many in here have never received Christ as a personal savior? Just raise your hand. I won't, I won't embarrass you. Let's see. Probably over here. Okay. <laughs> this is this for object lesson later, I guess. <laughs> but um, I'm glad we're all on the same page. So I'm talking to this church today. When, when one comes to himself like the prodigal son, when one recognizes his or her shortcomings and failures, it's not until one recognizes one's own spiritual depravity and moral depravity uh, in his own heart that he or she will turn and start taking steps towards home, towards God. And Psalm 32 reads, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Talking physical illness. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. You know what that's like, even here right now. (laughs) Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stop trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, 
I will confess my rebellion to God. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore let all the godly pray to you while there is time. That they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says I will guide you among the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like the senseless horse or mule that needs a bit or bridle to keep it. Bridle, I'm sorry, to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all whose hearts are pure. Hallelujah. Amen. For this, everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters... They shall not come near you. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Psalm 32 is an awesome scripture. Most, I hope everyone has an outline. Does everyone, anyone need an, an outline? I made outlines. So has everyone got one? If you don't have one, would you please get one? I know you might hate writing You probably hate school, but this is not school. This is, this is spiritual. And I want you to take notes so you can go over them later on. We're going to look at the word repent. R. R stands for reconsider. Reconsider who taught you what to believe. How many know who David Attenborough is? Yeah, some, most of you know him. You just don't know him by name. You know him by his voice. He's the one that does all the BBC nature films. And it's his same. Dave, David Attenberg is the one who speaks. And you hear his nice, calming voice. And he's talking about the birds and the, the fish and the, everything around the, the world. Some beautiful cinema t- photography and stuff. And yet... He doesn't, he doesn't believe in our God. He doesn't believe in creation. He doesn't believe in the, in the true story. In the beginning, God created everything. And God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In, in John chapter 1, it says, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the word, word was God, and all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Amen. So, so Jesus was in the beginning for creation. He made everything. Maybe, maybe somebody taught you. Maybe you've, you've heard of this uh, teacher. A rich, rebellious, alcoholic. He was a dropout from a Bible university. And he was a preacher's kid. I'll repeat again. He was rich. He was rebellious. He was an alcoholic. He was a dropout of Bible University, and he was the preacher's kid. Can you guess who he was? Charles Darwin. Why do you think he ever came up with what he came up with? To disprove his father because of his rebellious heart. He didn't want to go to be a preacher. He didn't believe his dad should be a preacher. He surely didn't want the accolades of that. He wanted to just drink and hang out on ships. 
And that's what he did. And he came up with this story, this evolutionary theory, that almost everybody, everybody here has been affected by it. Have you ever had gone to a public school? Some of them teach that this is not just a theory, but they teach it just like it's a fact. They never clarify the fact that there's no Lucy. There's no, there's no missing person. Even Charles Darwin said, if there's enough excavation done around the world in the future and there is no missing link found, then all my teaching is no good. That's Darwin, but you don't hear that part. You know, you don't hear that part. How about God being your teacher? How about the word of God being your teacher? Because that's the most important thing when it comes to repentance. We need to reconsider the fact that I have been taught literally thousands and thousands of hours of lies. You ever watch TV? You ever played a video game? You ever been to the movies? Thousands of hours are, are involved in training and teaching you to believe a lie and to separate you from God. You must believe when you repent, you must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You must believe in the fact that God created heaven and earth. You must believe that he did it in seven days. Because if you don't, imagine you going, not, uh, taking uh, 7,000 years to keep the Sabbath day. Because that same day is the same day used in the word creation and in that story. So every time God says, you know, you, you celebrate this day, that means it's, if you believe in the thousand year theory, it's a thousand years for the Sabbath. Guys, we could be off for a long time, right? Not have to go to work for religious belief. <laughs> Maybe the government will help us out with that one. E is to evaluate your sins. Repent. E, evaluate your sins. There's nothing wrong with you taking a little time to think about where you might have missed the mark, gone wrong. In fact, on a daily basis, it's probably a really good place to start. If you remember sins of the past, you remind the devil of his future. But you also be very thankful to God, he did deliver me from those. He did save me from those. Because that builds up your confidence in God. It builds up your relationship and your history. I remember I used to be addicted to this, but God set me free. I remember I used to be cruel in this kind of way, but no more. God set me free. So take those memories and use them for good. Revelation chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I shall cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he that searches the reins. That means the emotions and the... uh, uh, passions and the hearts and I will give unto every one of you according to your works 
So this is in Revelation. This is to the church. God is speaking to the church and he says, think about your sins. Think about your friends who are sinning. Don't hang out with sinful friends. You witness to them, but you don't go to bed with them. Can someone say amen? In one way or the other. Plea. Repent. The letter P stands for plea for Christ to forgive you. Matthew 4.17 says, From that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. After Jesus was baptized in water and went into the desert, was tempted of the devil for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus went and started a baptism ministry following John the Baptist. In fact, Jesus spent more time baptizing people in water and his disciples with him than he did doing anything else in his three years of ministry. He stayed in the same area for six months baptizing people in water and his disciples baptized. How important was that to Jesus? That was the most time he spent in anywhere on earth that we know of during his ministry time. Everywhere else he was going here, he's jumping on this boat, he was crossing over here, he's walking on water, he's going up into the mountains, people are following him up there, he's feeding them, he's going to Samaria, he's sitting on the well. But for six months, he stayed at the water baptismal place. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people were baptized. That's how important water baptism is. We need to understand that when Jesus says repent, it's only the beginning of the Christian walk. And it's something that we can continually do because I guarantee you somebody in this place has sinned since last week. Right, Pastor? (laughs) Thank you. Somebody has sinned. Revelation 2, 5 says, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do your first works, or else I will come unto you. This is the church. This is the born-again Christian. This is the spirit-filled, tongue-talking believer. This is a Pentecostal person. This is the assemblies of God, or Baptist, or Methodist, or Presbyterian. This is the person who believes in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I will come unto you quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Revelation 2.16 says, Repent, or else I'll come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Now, there's one thing about fighting with your spouse, but when you're fighting with God and the sword of his mouth, you're not going to win. And he's saying repentance is so important that if you don't do it, I'm personally going to attack you. Think about that. We can't even blame the devil for this. God says, I'm coming after you if you don't repent. Why? Is he mean? No, he's loving. He loves you. He warns you to repent because he doesn't want to come after you like that. He wants to come after you with open arms, with his heart showing, with love and compassion and mercy and blessings and protection. 
but he cannot come near you with anything less than a sword in his mouth if you haven't repented. And you say, well, pastor, I was really evil. Well, I guarantee you I could, I, I could take notes and kind of probably win in all of you and your sins put together in this place. I know what I'm talking about. I know what Christ can do for us. But I also know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And God wants us to fear him. There are many scriptures that says fear and reverence the Lord. Don't try to talk this evangelist into the fact that fear just means godly reverence. No, Jesus said it like this. Don't be afraid of someone who could come in this room and cut your throat with a machete or shoot a hole in your chest. He, he said, don't be afraid of anyone who can just kill you physically. But be afraid of him who, after you have died, has the power to bring you up into heaven or cast you into hell. That's the one we should fear. And that's a godly fear. And yes, when you have a godly fear, you don't fear your life to be taken away from you because you stay repentant and you know that you are in right standing with God and he's going to take care of you and he's going to bless you. And I thank God that you're in a Baptist community. I know we're a Pentecostal church, right, Pastor? We're wanting you to be filled with the Spirit. Let's see where I'm going here. Second. Whoa. Okay. Uh, I've got to get going here. Anyway. <laughs> Praise Jesus. But some of our brothers and sisters might not have ever read Revelation chapter 3. Verses 3 and 5. You might want to take a note of this. Revelation 3 verses 3 and 5. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard. Otherwise you've been to church, you've heard the message. And hold fast to that message and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief. And thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. He that overcomes, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not block out his name out of the book of life. Wait, what did it say? Jesus has white out. And his white out can go right over his blood that covered your life. He says, I can take your name out of that book just as easy as I put it in there. If you do not repent, if you do not live according to my rules and regulations and laws, if you do not do the 33 one another's in the Bible, if you do not do and follow me, but I will confess you your name before my angels, the Father and angels heaven, if you will repent. But if you don't, I'll blot your name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and many angels if you do. Negate is in, repent. Negate sin and sinful relationships. In your outline, you can put nullify all non-marital sex. Nullify means to eliminate it, stop doing it. 
If you're living with somebody right now and you're not married, just because you were living with them and you got saved, you have to separate until you get married. Well, it'll cost money. I don't care. It's inconvenient. It doesn't matter. Well, we've been doing it and, you know, we got saved and we, you know, we both believe in God. You're in adultery. You're in fornication. You're sinning. You have to get out of that sin. Many times believers who come to Christ, they won't stop doing what they're doing because they think God understands. God does not understand. He does not make life easy for sinners. We have to stop completely sinning. We have to negate all sin and sinful relationships. How about pornography? Let's see. Let's see what? what if I was to use this light and point out, as I'm reading this, on the person who's doing this? Somebody going to go to the bathroom? I won't do that. The Holy Spirit wouldn't let me. <laughs> we did argue about it some. Because I thought it would really help with the altar call. You know? For, at least for us to know, you know, what's going on in this house. <laughs> Pornography. Dahmer, one of the greatest historical serial killers ever and sexually sick persons who would capture people and abuse them and then keep their body parts and eat them. He said there was one thing he found out while he was in prison for the years before he died and he would only speak to a Christian psychologist. He only spoke to one person before he died. And one of the things is he was asked by by this uh, good theological Christian psychologist, is there a common denominator? Is there something common between everybody that you know, because that's all you've been hanging out with in prison, are people like you, rapists, murderers, killers? Is there something in common? And Dahmer said, yes. Every one of us confess that we all started with soft pornography. So just having a little book in your bathroom, it starts, to, it leads to the worst of the worst. It's the beginning of the end. Homosexuality is not a, a good term. You'll be told you don't use that word. You, talk, you can call them gays, couples, life partners, even lesbians. But homosexuality, you don't use that word. The Wikipedia will tell you, you do not use that word. Why? It's offensive. <laughs> Hello? Why? Because the Bible talks about homosexuality as being a sin. It was one of the reasons that Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. And it's one of the reasons God gives people over to their sins and they will never be saved because he lets their sins burn within them and they are given over. Their God says, that's it. No, not all homosexuals are going to hell. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you practice it long enough, you'll be deceived deep enough to never get out of it. It's just like crack or anything else. It's just like alcoholism. It's something that grabs a hold of you and it's not natural. 
Nobody is born this way. There's no genetic proof. It's all a lie. The fact is, I've known many, many homosexuals. I was a banquet chef before God called me to preach. I worked with homosexual managers, other chefs, waitresses, waiters. There was one thing I noticed in common about all of them. They were never happy. They were always the most unhappy people I ever met. And they were usually unhappy with their partner. (laughs) So gay is definitely not a good word to use. Lying. Anybody here ever lied? The Bible says liars shall find a place in like a fire. It's my wife and my song. Okay, And it means I better get out of here. Stealing, killing. How many in here have killed? Don't raise your hands. Some of you might be thinking about it right now. As a pastor, I was tempted many times. Not to, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I got to speak faster. I got to speak faster. I didn't mean it like that. As a pastor, as a pastor, I was tempted in many sins with many different people. And this one person wanted me to sin with them. And I told them that I could, but afterward I would have to kill them. And I meant it from the bottom of my heart. If I committed that sin as a pastor, my job, my, I would have to kill the person. Simply because that would be required of me. Because I have torn down my reputation as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I have also committed one of the worst sins that you can commit in your body as pastoring a church of people. So I would have to kill the person if I sinned with them. She didn't bother me no more. (laughs) Anyway, no, you will never know that person's name. (laughs) T, repent. Take up your cross and follow. This is the biggest part of repentance. You follow in learning obedience. You follow Jesus in learning obedience. Jesus had to learn something on earth. Hebrews 5, 8 says, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Are you suffering something right now? Learn how to obey while you're in that suffering. Learn how to obey and how to submit to authority and how to be loving and kind even though you're suffering. Jesus learned repentance through what he suffered. Follow him through water baptism. If you've been saved over a day, you need to be water baptized. It's nice you took communion. There's nowhere written that you have to take communion or how many times you take communion. But water baptism is a necessity. Some of Christians who have never been baptized in water are still suffering in sin because they haven't kept that one commandment. I had a deacon, 20 years. He had been deacon in three different churches. He was a born-again, spirit-filled Catholic. But no one ever pushed water baptism. No one ever preached much on it. He never thought it important. He was dedicated as a baby. He felt that was okay. When I finished preaching a series on water baptism, he knew he needed to get wet. 
I baptized him, and the next week he said, George, I've had a temptation in my office for 20 years. I've been battling this. I've prayed, I've fasted, I've done everything. But I've never gotten over it until I was water baptized. And from that day to this, he's never had that temptation again. God has given him deliverance over it. You see, keeping the word of God gives you power. It gives you, it get, we are baptized into his death and his likeness. He, follow him in doing church. Luke four sixteen. he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. Jesus was a churchgoer. If you know a Christian that doesn't go to church, you know somebody who's in deadly situation because we are in the safest place on earth right now. We're in church. We're gathered together in his name with his people. And this is where God wants us to be, in a body of believers, whether it's a building or not. It's a body of believers. We have to be connected. Our, our brother and, and his, his wife are leaving us to go to some other ministry. But pray for them. Whether they're in ministry or not, they've got to keep going to church. Even pastors, I'm telling you, three times. You take me out of church three weeks in a row, I start having some real issues. I really do. I start getting weaker and weaker spiritually. The enemy has more and more power over me. Why? I'm just not hanging with the people of God. There is something about coming to church that blesses you. It's like reading the book of Revelation. You don't have to understand it. It says, read it and you'll be blessed. Just by reading it or listening to it being read. Follow him in loving his people. John 17, 9. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to me, to you. Jesus is is in the book of John chapter 17 is saying, if you're a believer, you're supposed to pray for one another. We We had some nice prayer this morning before service. But while you're here and before you leave, tell somebody that you have a prayer request. Tell somebody, well, I don't want to seem like, you know, tell somebody. You never know who's in your church. There might be the richest person in church sitting next to you thinking, well, I wish I knew somebody who needed money, so I'll just go on TV and send it to some ministry there. And you're, th- you're thinking, you know, God would speak to them. Ask and you shall receive. I'm not telling you to beg. I'm just saying, let your needs be known. I needed healing. My wife was on the phone. She called people. Prayers were going up for me. God healed me. I shouldn't have been healed. I shouldn't have been delivered. But he did it for his glory and for his honor. So follow him in telling others. Go into all the world and teach and preach and baptize. Follow him by dying to self. Pick up your cross daily. Follow him in holiness. Are you writing that fast? Follow him in telling others. Follow him in dying to self. Follow him in holiness. Be holy because I am. Follow him in forgiveness. This might be one of the biggest things that you need to repent of. Somebody has done you wrong. Physically, spiritually, financially, morally. They've messed you up. 
They don't deserve to live. You know they don't. You know they don't according to the Bible because of what they've done to you. They deserve death. But it's not your job to kill them. It's your job to put them in God's hands. And if you really want to see that person hurt and struggling and, and, and being chastised, pray God's blessings on them. Trust me. I did it. A waitress hated me. Good God, she hated me. And I almost started hating her until I learned I better start praying for her. And every Sunday for a year, I prayed for that waitress. You see, she was seeing the owner and his wife didn't know about it. But I did. And I was the chef. And the owner and I were very good friends. But she didn't like that because I was a preacher. And they come to do, she did everything she could to get me fired. She did everything she could to get me to cuss. <laughs> she did absolutely everything she could to get me to lose my testimony. And I left there a year later still loving her. I literally prayed until I loved her. Someone who hated me and wanted to destroy me. Where is she at now? I don't know. I don't care. I hope she makes it to heaven. But you know what? She's not bothering me anymore. Because I overcame by doing what Jesus said. By forgiving. If you do not forgive, my father will not forgive you of your sins. Well, I went to the altar and I prayed. If you did not repent and forgive that person. You have to repent for holding unforgiveness. Repent of it. Do it today. Okay. That's definitely time. Follow him in humility. Proverbs 22 verse 4 is my favorite scripture in the Bible. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Thank you. Psalm 37, 8 says, Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. Now, I don't know about you, but you don't have to worry like we do down in Florida. Down in Florida, everybody's over the age of 70. Everybody. And if they're not, they're definitely tourists. But if they're living there, they're over the age of 70, and they drive just like it. And the fast coming from Jersey back to Florida, the fast lane is a slow lane in Florida. Everyone's passing on the far right. Because you can, you, can right, you can take left turns in Florida, there's no U-turns, which they need to change that all or up. Because everybody gets in the fast lane because 12 miles down the road, they're going to make a turn left. So they're doing 45. <laughs> and it's a 75-mile-an-hour zone. Oh, talk about getting angry. But here, that won't happen. You see, you can't go over 45 or a car fall apart. The road, the, the road will rip it to pieces. <laughs> Uh, stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. Brothers and sisters, I wish I could say a whole lot more, but I'm going to end this right now. In the book of Nehemiah, 
in chapter 9, the scripture makes it very clear. Chapter 8, I'm sorry. Nehemiah chapter 8. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law to the assembly, both women and men, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And they read it. And the women and men and those who could understand it. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book. And what happened next was they started to realize, oh, that's sin I've committed. Oh, that's sin I've committed. And they started this very practical way. Even though it was raining, they would stand and confess their sins for one-fourth of the day. And they would stand and then they would read the word of God for one-fourth of the day. And then they would stand and they would praise the Lord for one-fourth of the day. And the other fourth, you look it up. But I want to tell you this. There is so much healing and so much power and so much forgiveness and so much more of God if you would only repent it doesn't mean you're, you're bad. It doesn't mean you're evil. It doesn't mean you're wicked. It means you want to be cleaner. It means you love God more. It means you want to draw closer to him and him to you. It means you're willing to let things go that others have done against you because God will take care of it. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Amen? My doctor's going to pay. <laughs> he sinned against me. Pray for me. Would you stand? Have you ever sinned recently? Have you ever broken one of these commandments? Do you have any of these issues in your life where you are addicted to something? The Bible says, confess your sin." To the Lord. Confess your sin to the Lord. And he will bless you. He will heal you. He will deliver you. He will dance over you. He will sing songs of deliverance. He will give you victory. He will come into your life like you've never experienced it before. He will deepen his relationship with you. He will show you things you never knew about. He will open your eyes to blessings and prosperity in every aspect of your life if you would simply stay repentant before the Lord. Is there anyone this morning who would like to repent? I want to call you up. Would you just walk up here? I'm not going to do nothing with you. Just as a sign to God that you're willing to let things go. You're willing to to say, God, I've been doing this and I shouldn't be doing this. And I ask you to forgive me. I'm repenting. Is there anybody here who would like to repent this morning? Father, I just pray as, as they sing this song that the Holy Spirit would be manifest right now in this place and that everyone here would hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.